Welcome to episode 5 of Locked Up and Locked Out. We've talked about terms often used in discussion of race and mass incarceration. We've talked about the start of race and racism. We've talked about the history of systems of racial control in the United States. We've talked about the history of the war on drugs and why the criminalization of drugs doesn't prevent drug use. All this is leading up to mass incarceration, providing context on this complex issue. Let's start with the statistics. There are currently 2.2 million Americans in prisons. This is a 700% increase since 1970. The United States is the country with the highest rate of incarceration in the entire world, which means we lock up a greater percentage of our population than any other country. The U.S. is only about 5% of the global population, but has nearly 25% of the world's prison population. Approximately one in three black men will be imprisoned at some point in their lives. Yes, one out of every three. In comparison, only one in every 17 white men will go to prison in their lifetime. For women, only one in every 111 white women will go to prison. However, one in every 18 black women will go to prison at some point in their lives. Only 5% of illicit drug users are black, but 33% of those incarcerated for drug crimes are black. That is a huge discrepancy. Only 32% of the U.S. population are African American or Hispanic. However, 56% of the U.S. incarcerated population are African American or Hispanic. One in five incarcerated people are locked up for a drug crime. Although it is important to note that this is not exactly representative of the amount of mass incarceration that is attributed to drug crimes, the book The New Jim Crow explains it this way. Imagine there is a prison hallway, and on one side of the hallway there are people convicted of drug crimes, and on the other side of the hallway are people convicted of violent crimes. The drug crimes will generally have shorter sentences than the violent crimes, so there will be more turnover on the drug side of the hallway. So there might be 50 people who have been imprisoned for a drug crime in that hallway, but there might only be 10 imprisoned at a time. Meanwhile, the violent crime side has the same 10 prisoners the whole time. This makes it look like an equal number of violent and drug offenders if you take a snapshot at one time, even though there are many more people convicted of drug offenses who have been imprisoned. One in four black children have a parent who has been or currently is incarcerated, which is six times the amount of white children with a previously or currently incarcerated parent. Since 1991, the rate of violent crime in the United States has fallen by about 20%, but the number of people in prison or jail has risen by 50%. If African Americans and Hispanics were incarcerated at the same rates as white people, prison and jail populations would decrease by almost 40%. In the words of the Sentencing Project, Incarceration is particularly ineffective at reducing certain kinds of crime, in particular youth crimes, many of which are committed in groups and drug crimes. When people get locked up for these offenses, they are easily replaced on the streets by others seeking an income or struggling with addiction. With that, let's talk about bail. I'm going to be using the American Civil Liberties Union's explanation of what's wrong with our current bail system. After an arrest, wrongful or not, 
A person's ability to leave jail and return home to fight the charges depends on money. That's because in most states, people are required to pay cash bail. Originally, bail was supposed to make sure people returned to court to face charges against them. But instead, the money bail system has morphed into widespread wealth-based incarceration. Poorer Americans and people of color often can't afford to come up with money for bail, leaving them stuck in jail awaiting trial, sometimes for months or years. Meanwhile, wealthy people accused of the same crime can buy their freedom and return home. Across the country, money bail is set at levels that are far too high for many people or their families to pay. Defendants face an impossible choice. Sit in jail as their case moves through the system, pay a non-refundable fee to a for-profit bail bonds company, or plead guilty and give up the right to defend themselves at a trial. For poorer families, paying this fee can be a significant hardship. They won't ever get the money back, regardless of the outcome of the case, even if the arrest was a case of mistaken identity and no charges were ever filed. The median bail bond amount in the U.S. is about eight months of income for the typical detained defendant, who has not been proven guilty and is therefore legally innocent. According to a report by the Prison Policy Initiative, 74% of people in jails have not been convicted of a crime. It's not only people currently incarcerated who are under the control of the prison industrial complex. Currently, 4.5 million people are on probation or parole, which is twice the currently incarcerated population. 30% of those on community supervision are Black, even though they account for only 13% of the population. More than 75% of Americans on probation or parole were convicted of nonviolent offenses. Every year, about 650,000 Americans return to their communities from prison. Shockingly, about half of them will return to prison within a few years. Almost 75% of previously incarcerated people are still unemployed a year after release. This is important because joblessness is the single largest factor in predicting criminal behavior. Felony disenfranchisement is another huge factor in the failure of those previously incarcerated to successfully re-enter society. Many drug crimes can potentially be felonies, including possession of drugs or sale of drugs. In 48 states, a felony conviction can result in the loss of voting rights. The path for a felon to restore their voting rights, if their state even allows it in the first place, is complex and intimidating, and many people convicted of a felony never get their rights restored. A shocking 5.2 million Americans are forbidden to vote because of felony disenfranchisement. One in 16 African Americans of voting age are disenfranchised, which is a rate 3.7 times greater than that of non-African Americans. The very right which we consider to be central to what it means to be American, the right to vote, is taken away for one in 16 Black people. I have only scratched the surface here. We could talk for hours about the harms caused by mass incarceration and its strikingly disproportionate effect on Black Americans. Hopefully the information in this episode is enough to show you the scale and depth of the harm that mass incarceration causes. 
As I said in the first episode, this podcast is simply a starting point, and I encourage you to do more research and learning on this topic, especially from Black people themselves. That's all for this episode. Remember to use the link in the podcast description to find my sources and more information.